0: If it's true that familiarity breeds contempt, then I'm telling you what. I am developing, as we speak, a major, major contempt for this pandemic. <laughs> huh? I, got, I went to the counter myself this last week. I didn't know what the number would be, but wouldn't you know it? with my own finger, I pointed at every single Sabbath that this church and this campus have been under the suffocating blanket of this COVID-19 pandemic. Guess how many Sabbaths? One hundred. Today is the hundredth Sabbath in a row that we have endured this pandemic. And don't nobody say, Happy Anniversary. No. There's some of you here probably are saying, you know, what is this American English? Familiarity breeds contempt. Well, I went to Google. I said, hey, Google, give me, a, give me a simple definition of familiarity breeds contempt. It gave me three. I like this one, so I'm gonna share it with you right now. The more you are exposed... That's what this little proverb. has been around forever. Familiarity breeds contempt. The more you are exposed to someone or something, the more bored you become and the less respect or appreciation you may have for that person or thing. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, that's what it is. And by the way, that doesn't mean, of course, that the the longer you are married, the more boring it becomes. (laughs) Some of us have been married to the same person for a very long time, and it's getting better every day. So. You can't apply this to everything, but, the, but our human tendency, our human tendency is the more we're exposed to something, or the more time we have with someone, we develop this. Ah, come on. Again? Again? I wonder if that's the case with the Seventh-day Sabbath. That's what I'm just thinking out loud with you about. Could it be that familiarity breeds contempt? And that unknown, unbeknown to us, there is this toxic contempt even within our very own souls, and we have no clue. Oh, yeah, it's the Sabbath again. Woohoo! I'm talking about it. I'm talking to a campus that is dominantly, in all three campuses, filled with people who have spent their whole lives every seventh day saying, It's the Sabbath. Yay! <laughs> Could it be our familiarity with the Sabbath? Has destroyed its meaning in our minds and in our lives, in our experiences. I mean, we know what the Sabbath stands for. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Oh, you know, I love that. That's why there is a Seventh-day Sabbath, because he said at the end of that creation week, I got to have a week, just you and me together. I love the animals, but I love you more. We'll be together. God is a being questing for friends. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of, the, of that book sitting right there on this pulpit. I'm questing for friends, and I'd love for you to be one of them." I get it. I understand that Jesus is the Savior, Jesus is the Creator, Jesus is our forever friend, and He designed the Sabbath to be a summit, a summit experience that we meet Him every seventh day in a way we cannot meet Him any other of the previous six days. I get it. But there's one little part of the Sabbath that I'm not sure we get. I'm not complaining about you. I'm not complaining about me. I'm still trying to figure this out myself, but I'm just wondering. I'm gonna run three lines by you right now from Holy Scripture. Boom, boom, boom. There's one word that will appear only in all three. See if you can figure it out. The first one, of course, is the well-known, hey, this is the end of creation. Six days are over. God says, okay, this was a great, great experience. The human race now is going. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Verse 2 of Genesis 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I mean, we know that. There's no way you can look at this text. You won't get it yet. You're not, even, you're not noticing the word yet. i have to put another text. I'll probably have to put both of them up. So here's another text. God's on top of Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai now with Moses, one of his dearest, dearest friends. God is just with his finger, with his finger, as Moses describes it, carved in granite stone, the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. He's just done that. And now he turns to Moses. And he says, "Yo, I need you to go back to the to uh, the people at the bottom of the mountain, and I want you to tell them these words." So this is Exodus thirty-one thirteen. Here we go. Say to the Israelites, Moses, you must observe my Sabbath. By the way, my Sabbath. God calls the Sabbath His own. Jesus says, "I'm Lord of the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was made for you, but it's not your day. It's my day." Tell them to observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy." You still don't get it. There's one word that has appeared in each of these. Maybe the third one will help. Now he's with a young prophet in exile, a young man named Ezekiel. He's reviewing the creation story with Ezekiel, and he makes this statement to Ezekiel. This is Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. Ezekiel, I gave them, my people, my Sabbaths..." There it is again. These are mine. "...I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between us so that they would know that I, the Lord, made them holy." Do you know one word that has appeared in all three of those? What is it? Come on, call it out. I can't hear you. Well, some of you are right and some of you are wrong. I'll not identify who's who. But some of you got it. It's the word holy. For for us Americans and for us human beings, us in the third millennial culture that we live, holy is a bad word. It's a four-letter word, and we're not happy with it. We don't like holy. Nobody likes holy. You can talk to me about love, talk to me about joy, talk to me about peace. Okay, okay. But don't talk to me about holy. What is our problem with holy? I can't believe this. When there was no sin on the planet, there were no sinners on the planet. God made this day Holy. That can't be bad news. Whatever it is, it's got to be good news, because there's no bad news alive. Wow, what is this business? Come on, four-letter word. Holy. What's up with that? Well, what's the big deal about it anyway? I mean, I, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time on this word, because I, I really am not moved by the, by, by, by the need for this word. Okay, I get it. But let me just run one more line. We'll only go to the New Testament now. Let me run another line by you. The Book of Hebrews. You Ever heard of the Book of Hebrews? Hey, wait a minute. Our faith community right now, all over this planet, is studying every single Seventh-day Sabbath, the Book of Hebrews, written by our friend Felix Cortez, in that building right over there. Did a marvelous job. I'm being blessed every week by his writings. Okay, so this is Hebrews, Hebrews Chapter 12. Check this out. Paul writing, "...make every effort to live in peace with everyone." Come on, guys, get along, will you? That's what Paul's saying. Get along. Come on, love each other. Make every effort. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be... Ooh. To be what? Holy. Well, what's the big deal about holy, Paul? Come on, finish your sentence. He says, I will. Without holiness, no one will ever see whom? That's Jesus. Without holiness, you're not going to see me. Ah, you're just a grumpy old creator. That's what you are. No. You won't see me without holiness." So this isn't a little throwaway. No, this this is a big deal. What kind of a big deal is it? A.W. Tozer, a long-ago writer. When I graduated from the seminary here, a friend of mine, he now sleeps in Jesus, Lou Venden, he gave me this book for graduation. It's a classic. Let me put a line from, from that book on the screen here. God is holy. God is holy. Four-letter word. There he is. God is holy. And he has made holiness the moral condition necessary to the health of his universe. Sin's temporary presence in the world can only only accents this. Keep reading. Whatever is holy is healthy. Evil is a moral sickness that must end, like this pandemic, ultimately in death. The pandemic is bad news, true or false. Because it's evil. That's why it's evil. Holiness is the moral language, <laughs> the moral language of this universe, the universal descriptor of the kingdom of God. And without holiness, hey, Jesus says, without holiness, I'm sorry, but uh, that's, that's the way we are. You, you, won't, you won't come here. So I can't just blow this off. Mm-mm. And by the way, speaking of the word holy, Do you know that this word appears in its various forms over 600 times in Holy Scripture? Over 600 times! That must be a big word. I mean, if the word appears 600 times, it's on God's mind. And guess what? Not once is any other characteristic, any other attribute, any other quality of God given the distinction that the word holy gets. He say, can you prove that to me, Right? I sure can't. I'll prove it from the heart of the Old Testament, and then we'll go to the end of the New Testament, and you're going to discover something about the word holy. Watch this. Now, this is Isaiah, Chapter 6. Okay? And the seraphim, so he's the young, because he's a young prophet, the young prophet is looking, and the seraphim, these angels, were calling out to one another. What are they calling out? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. How many times? How many times did they call out this one word that we're having a little bit of trouble with? How many times did they call it out? Three. Watch this at the end of the Bible in the mighty apocalypse, day and night. Ooh, day and night. The four living creatures. These are the highest, by the way. This is the highest order of angels in the universe. These are the top four. The four. The four living creatures never stop saying, "Whoa!" Here it comes again. Holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Do you know that the Bible nowhere says God is love, love, love. The Bible nowhere says God is righteous, righteous, righteous. The Bible nowhere says God is just, 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 forgiving, 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 merciful, merciful, merciful. No, no, no. Only one quality of God is given this trifold, this triad treatment. And it's holy, His holiness. Wow. <laughs> we can't just run from this, because obviously the three verses we read show us that in the heart of the seventh-day Sabbath, the, 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 ish, the, the reality is the holiness of God. Whoa. That just blows my mind. God is holy. And by the way, the New Testament doesn't stop there. It doesn't just say, oh, without holiness, you can't, you can't come to heaven. No. It goes on. You just heard it a moment ago. Darius read it from, from uh, First Peter. Here it is. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy. This is First Peter one fifteen. So be holy in all you do. Keep reading verse 16. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. That really blows you out of the water, because what God is, He says, I want you to be. I'm holy. You'll be holy. No, God, you don't know me. You don't know me. And don't ask me to describe myself to you. You don't know me. I cannot be what you are. Oh, that's true in many aspects. You can't be God. Neither can I. You can't be your father, can you? You can try, but you'll never be your father. Or your mother, by the way. You just can't. I can't be God. He's God. He's the only God there is. And I'm not God. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is telling me, Dwight, I want you to be holy because I'm holy. Whoa. What's going on here? Jerry Bridges, in in his uh, stirring little book, The Pursuit of Holiness, he writes, to be holy is to be morally blameless. Oh, this is getting worse as we go. Morally blameless? To be holy is to be morally blameless. It is to be separated from sin and therefore consecrated to God. Holiness is nothing less than conformity to the character of God. Oh, my. You can't ask me to do that. But he did. And he says it's in the heart and soul of the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath, the Holy Sabbath. Remember the Holy Sabbath, to keep it... Holy. Wow. I realize that this sounds rather scary now. This, this is, we're now into the impossibility territory. I mean, Dwight, just give it up, will you? And I would say, yeah, you're right, except your friend and mine, Paul, comes along. We won't even look it up. Paul comes along. He says, I'm writing a letter to the people that live in the Corinth. It happens to be a seaport town full of STDs. You know what STD is, don't you? Sexually transmitted diseases. It's full of them. And some of them are going to that church that Paul planted. Well, Paul, I want you to give a name to those people. He says, I will. Have they come to Jesus? They have. Then I want you to call them saints. What? I want you to call the Corinthians saints. No. Yes. And you know what the word Paul uses? The holies. He calls them the holies. Hagios, in the Greek, it's the holy, the holy ones. Apparently, you don't have to be perfect to pursue holiness. There would be no Corinthian church, and there would be no Andrews University. So this can't be bad news. I mean, if God starts out with saying, hey, this is the day, this is my holy day, it's gotta be wonderful news. We just gotta figure out how in the world does this turn into wonderful. And I'm gonna tell you how, how it turns into wonderful. Because we're gonna shift the, we're gonna shift the paradigm right now. I want you to see that the word holy is indeed a four letter word, but we're gonna misspell the word holy. We've done this maybe before, you and I. We're gonna misspell the word holy. Instead of saying holy, we're gonna say holy. But spell it another way. It's no longer a four-letter word. That ought to make it good. This is holy. I have found that if I can move from the domain of moral moral rectitude, which is just a big word for moral specificity and precision, in other words, sin, if we can move from that, from rectitude to relationship, we find out what's going on up here so that because of this little spelling change, and I want you to do that in your mind. I do it now all the time. I want you to do this in your mind. I want you to hear God say to you what he says to me, only he'll use your name, but he says, Do I want to tell you something because I'm holy and I want you to be holy. Here's the deal. I am wholly yours, and I'm asking you to be holy, mine. That's what I mean. Really, God? That's it. I'm wholly yours, and I want you to be wholly mine. Well, that makes it more possible. At least conceiving it. Whew, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't just blow that off. I am wholly yours. In fact, let's put the... Let, let, let this hang in front of our eyes for a moment here. I am wholly yours, and I want you to be wholly mine. Let that go deeper into your mind. I am wholly yours, and I want you to be wholly mine. You know, that the, that the Almighty God himself would say, I'm wholly yours, that's enough, to, that's enough to blow you out of the water, isn't it? I mean, that I'm wholly yours? All of me for you? Come on. No, it is. That's the truth of Calvary. That's the truth of Jesus' death on the cross. I am wholly yours. I want to show you something. Every child on this planet, we got wonderful children in this church, man. Every child on this planet, doesn't matter what country you're from or where your parents are from, if you're a child, you know this motion. When I do this to a child anywhere on Earth, and I've been to a lot of places on Earth, if I see a little child in a room and I go like this... No, no, take me out of the picture. When mother goes like this... When Daddy walks into the room and he sees his little girl, he sees his little boy. When Daddy walks into the room and he goes like this to his son, what's he saying? Come on, child, run to me. Run to me. I want to love on you. I want to hug you. Come here. Isn't that what outstretched arms mean? I want you to run to me. Don't run from me. Come to me. When Jesus died, when the incarnate God dies, God makes sure that when he dies, they have his arms nailed this way so that every time you look at the cross, those arms are facing you. And you know what he's saying? Run to me, child. Run to me. I want to love on you. I want to hug you. Come here. Is that bad news or good news? I am wholly yours, and I want you to be wholly mine. Hey, listen, guys, if you don't like it, up in the balcony or down here, I got to tell you a little secret. You're going to end up in the front of this church someday with me because you got a beautiful girl beside you or a beautiful, handsome boy beside you. And you're going to say, hey, pastor, marry us, will you? And I will after a few weeks of premarital counsel. But when you stand up here, whoa, be careful. Don't you dare come here unless you're ready for this. When you stand up here, I'm going to ask you in front of the witnesses in the building and the witnesses of heaven to declare to her, I am wholly yours, and I want you to be wholly mine. Every marriage begins with that pledge. Don't be ragging on God about, oh, this is such a bad deal. (laughs) You can't get married without this deal. I am wholly yours, and I want you to be wholly mine. And guess what? That's not only the truth of Calvary, that's the truth of the seventh-day Sabbath, because it's the same Creator who's now the Savior of the world. His arms are nailed wide open. But when He made the Sabbath, it was like He was saying, come on, children." Come on! Run to me! Let me love on you. Let me hug you. Wow. And by the way, that's why God didn't make... God did not make the Sabbath a place. Because if it were a place, we'd all be in Mecca worshiping him. Right? You got to go to Jerusalem. It's the only place you can do it. God didn't make the Sabbath a place. He didn't even make it space. Because if he made it space, we'd all have to, we'd all have to be, we all would have to be going to your church to have worship. No, he said. I need something that's universal. I need something that's global. I need something that is given equally to the entire human race from the beginning of time to the end of time. And that something is time. I'm gonna holyize time. And when I have holiized time, man will never be able to unholyize it. Man will never be able to walk unto me and say, you know what, God, thank you for doing the seventh day. We want the first day. Please, it's more convenient now. The culture is this way. We don't want to stand out and have to get serious about this holiness thing. Just just let us do this. Well, how can you? I've already done it on the seventh day. Only one day. And it's the seventh one. That's why it's a big deal, folks. There's a lot of confusion going around these days. Nobody's sure. Some are saying it really doesn't matter. But, folks, it just doesn't matter. Okay. You can, you can live by that. <laughs> God wrote it with his finger, but it really doesn't matter. It's not that big a deal. No, come on. It's a big deal. Wow, I am wholly yours. And I want you to be holy mind. Uh, Abraham Heschel, Joshua Heschel, in, in his uh, classic essay on the Sabbath, and that's the title of it, the Sabbath, to observe the seventh day does not mean merely to obey or to conform to the strictness of a divine command. Keep reading. To observe is to celebrate the creation of the world and to create the seventh day all over again." I love that. The majesty of holiness in time. And I love that phrase. The majesty of holiness in time. That's what God did. I put holiness in time. It's not in space. It's not a place. It's in time. Everybody can have it. And I want everybody to have it. Wow. That's what's right. Well, didn't we just read this a moment ago? Come on, do I bring the text back up again one more time? Okay. I have given you the Sabbath so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. The Sabbath is a sign that God makes you holy His and makes me holy His. Is it a sign that I make myself holy? Yes or no? No, of course not. The Sabbath is not a sign that I make myself holy. The Sabbath is a sign that the Creator makes me holy. The Creator makes me holy. I'm holy yours. I want you to be holy mine. Look, God, if I can do that, if I can do that with Karen, and we did, got it on old Super 8 film now so I can never back out. God, did you really make that promise? I did. If I can do that, and you will, if you haven't, then God has the right to do the same. I'm holy yours. You be holy mine. And there's only one day of the week that declares that. Only one. It's the one he chose. It's the seventh day. Nothing's changed on the calendar. Nothing's changed in time. It's still the same day. Wow. Okay. So what's that mean? That means there's some power embedded in this day. Hey, my friend Sakai Kubo, there was a professor here years ago. Some of you knew him. I had the privilege of knowing him. In his book, God Meets Man, this is good. The Sabbath has no meaning at all unless creative power accomplishes its result in the life of the one who observes the day. There's something. There's creative power from its maker, the maker of all things, who loves me. If the maker is not having his creative power in me, then there's no... Who needs the Sabbath? Hey, listen carefully. The Sabbath is not 4th of July. Yo, I love 4th of July. I love hot dogs. I love I love corn on the cob. I love watching fireworks at the end of the day. I love the 4th of July. The Sabbath is not the 4th of July. It's not Christmas. It's not Thanksgiving. It's not a holiday. It is the only holy day of every week. By the way, that's what holiday means. They took the two words holy day and they said, well, we have so many holy days around here. We'll just call them holidays. The Sabbath is not a holiday. That is secular. The Sabbath is a holy day. That is sacred. And there's a world of difference because it has God inside it. You can feel the sizzling power of the Creator Himself embedded in His day. It's all about Jesus. You don't have to give me a lecture. It's all about Jesus. I understand that. Wow. Uh, come on, Kubo, keep going. Okay. Kubo says, I will. Holiness... Oh, This is gonna make you think. You can't blow this one by. You won't get it the first time, but that's okay. Holiness of being must match holiness of time. Holiness of time, his emphasis. Holiness of time must become holiness in time. Something feels very right about that sentence, but it took me a long time to figure it out. Then I found another sentence he wrote a couple pages later. Ooh, 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 I got it. So I'm adding adding that sentence. The Sabbath does not stand simply for holiness of time or holy time, but holiness in time or holy people. Yep, it is holy time. The majesty of holiness in time. Of course it is. But it's not just about time. It's about people. I give myself holy to you. Please, you give yourself Holy to me. It's you and me. It's all about you and me. Is that bad news or good news? That's the greatest news in the universe. He wants time with me. And so he gives me that day. It's going to be you and me together. And next week, by the way, we're get down to brass tacks now. Come on, Dwight, how do we really do this? We'll talk about that next week. Come on, how do we really do it on a campus? We'll talk about that next week. I've given you this day, embedded myself in it. Come to me. Run to me. Let me, hold, let me hug you. Let me love on you." That's what the Sabbath is. It's about relationship. Holy people. People who are holy his. That's all it's saying. You can't get to heaven without us. Oh, don't, don't, don't get me going on that. I'm not worried about that, because there's one verse in the Bible that came to me while Pastor Ben was praying in second service. So those of you who are sitting up here saw a little bit of movement going back and forth, because I sent the word up. Hey, I need this text right now in these notes. And they got it. They got an incredible media team on the spot. They make changes. And so we're adding this, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. I love this text. Watch this. This will knock your socks out. Paul's writing to the saints who used to have STDs, okay? So we're talking about, you know. mm -hmm. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for you and me, he's become for us wisdom from God That is, Paul says, He's become for us our righteousness. He's become for us... What's the next word? Our holiness. And He's become our redemption. He's everything. I'll be your holiness. Let me become holiness for you. I am wholly yours. You be wholly mine. I'll take care of it all. Hey, is that good news or what? I am your holiness. Wow. Talking about power. <laughs> hey, have you driven down by the dam here in, in, in the, the village of Berrien Springs? Anybody driven down by the dam lately? Come on. Do you know that they spent, like, months, I don't know how long, but they were, they've been constructing this very classy-looking electrical substation. Have you, have you driven down there? It's beautiful. It's a work of art. And they spent months. But I'll tell you this. There is a chain-link fence around it right now and repeated warnings affixed to it that declare danger, high voltage. (laughs) Sometimes, it's true, sometimes you can hear the sizzle of the power. Jesus says, hey, in the beginning, I gave you the Sabbath with me in it. Power. And it Will sizzle with the evidence I can change anything that needs changing in your life. Remember, holiness is what opens the door to the universe. I am your holiness. You know that room that you've been hiding from me in your heart? Of course, you can't hide it from me. I've known about it. I'm waiting for the day when you say, Lord, you can have that in room. You know that little corner of your life that you've been hiding from me? You haven't hid a thing from me. I'm waiting for the day that you say, Lord, you may have this corner of my life. Just give it to me. I am wholly yours, and I need you to be wholly mine. I'll take care of everything. I am your holiness. Wow. Man, come on, guys. Help me out here. Is this good news or is this bad news? I'm telling you, it's the greatest news. It's the greatest news that is not known today, because the world has blown the seventh day out of the water. Yep, Ah, uh, we don't need that day. We have our own. And there is a church on this planet today that says, yep, we did it. And everybody else says, well, see, that's why we have another one. Come on. You can't be serious. This is the truth that God is going to begin to percolate. He'll find ways. He'll find ways to make sure the truth about the Creator will return one last time, even to academia. Some of you are placed in academia because you're part of a strategic movement from God to tell the truth. Don't you belittle that. Don't you say, I'm not going to be concerned with that. I teach in a parochial school, and that's all I have to worry about, just to make sure these kids know what's right and wrong. No, that's not enough. You have colleagues all over this planet, and you have credibility. I was talking with a lawyer this last week. He showed me the law firm he belongs to. My Lord. Washington, D.C. One of our members here belongs to that firm. Why is he in the firm? Because God needs His agents everywhere. Don't you ever apologize for being a Sabbatarian. mm Don't you ever apologize for being a Sabbatarian. You are that for a reason, because of Jesus, and He needs you to live out the truth of that holy day that is wholly His. Even as He is wholly yours, live it for me. That's it. I'm stopping this right here. It's the good news of the Sabbath that we've forgotten. It's the good news of the Sabbath we have forgotten. It's a holy day. (laughs) I'm holy yours. And you, please, be holy mine. I think it's beautiful, just between you and me. I think it's beautiful. And I want it to be beautiful in your life and in your heart right now. Yeah. As simple as saying, Jesus, Holy yours I am. Help me to find how this day accentuates that gift, the gift of you. Let's pray. Oh, God, oh, Christ, I am holy yours. We get it. Calvary's outstretched arms. Who could argue with that? And for you to then turn around, this is nothing unusual at all. Every wedding does it. For you to turn around and say, I need you to be holy mine." On behalf of all of us, because there's not a soul right now in this sanctuary, on this live stream, that is not saying, I want to be wholly his. I want to be wholly Jesus. Belong wholly to him. Oh, Christ, draw us near. And as you do... Maybe in the end, this is is what you want. Draw us near so that we become more and more like you. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. You will. Make that line come true by your grace. In the end, let all the people say, Amen. Amen, amen.